Hello and welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I am your host, Luke McLean. This is the show where I interview experts on all things mental health and well-being, from strategies you can learn like mindfulness, deep breathing, and cold showers, to people with lived experience like myself who have lived with mental illness and or addiction and open up about their pain to share what has helped and hindered them to provide you with motivation and inspiration to live the best life you can. So let's take the power of our minds back and live a healthier and happier life. Today's guest, Garth Bruin, is a passionate stand for the journey of self-discovery and holding a safe space for others to do the same. His journey has been fraught with challenges, difficulties, and setbacks. What he shares with the world is the insane journey of his life and how his greatest pains have been the cause of the mission and life he leads now. In this episode, we discuss how Garth is comfortable with being uncomfortable, including self-isolating in a freaking cave. We talk about what it takes to be a man, which is something that I love chatting about. We also talk about how to communicate with people who are struggling and hold that safe space, and also the journey of self-discovery. All that and more when we come back from thanking our sponsor. We all have those moments where the world feels like it's falling apart. Simple tasks are a grind and happiness just seems to be out of reach. But Commune are here to show you another way. The Commune Summit is a free 10-day online event featuring 25 of the world's foremost experts on health and wellness. Each day includes a keynote lesson and a daily practice so that step by step, you can bring techniques into your life that lead to greater and greater ease and joy. I've personally used this platform to learn from people I am so inspired by, such as Russell Brand, which helped me monumentally with my addiction recovery. Wim Hof, who I have learned the power of cold exposure, breathing exercises, mindset, which have made my mindset so much stronger and my immune system far, far stronger. I've learned from Scott Schwenk on breathwork in more detail, and I've just started learning a nutrition course by Dr. Mark Hyman. At Commune, learning is a daily experience. Once you sign up, you'll receive a daily email with access to course videos. This encourages you to develop a habit of wellness. Even better, sign up now to try this course for free. That's 10 days, 25 world-leading teachers, and all for free. Head to www.onecommune.com forward slash mindovermatter. That's O-N-E-C-O-M-M-U-N-E forward slash mind over matter. Garth, I have been very much looking forward to this and um, I, I thank you very much for taking the time to, to jump on this show, mate, and, and have a chat with me. Pleasure, brother. I'm looking forward to it so much, Luke, and yeah, excited to share and go on this process discovery, bro. Beautiful, man. Now, I'm going to share, before we dive in and me ask you a bunch of questions, I'm going to share the first time I met you because I've, I've shared this in, in in-person trainings that I've done and I absolutely love it because it stands with me so much. And I remember we, you know, I was waiting with a, a mutual friend of ours, Matt Runnels, outside of the Wim Hof event in, in Sydney. And um, I'm standing there waiting and he told me that a, a mate of his would be rocking up soon. And he, he gave me a little bit of a preview as to what I might expect. And 
basically the preview was was look out for this guy. He's going to come up. He's full of energy. He'll give me a big hug. He'll probably give you a big hug. He grunts when he hugs. Just, just wait. And I was thinking, wow, like, what is going on here? <laughs> anyway, sure enough, out comes this guy. He's got, you know, um, no shoes. I'm pretty sure he had no shoes. Um, looking like someone straight out of Vikings. Um, big beard, big smile on his face, strolling through the crowd. Walks straight up, puts Matt in a big bear hug, and just deep like breathing grunting is the best way that i could describe it and you just turned to me and something along the lines of hey brother and just gave me a massive hug and it just left this lasting impression on me man and i I loved it and um you know i've shared that with many in in in-person trainings and i just first of all thank you for for giving me that piece of, of of energy there and then but where did that come from and why do you do it? <laughs> oh, oh, bro, thank you so much. And thank you for receiving that so well. Um, yeah, where did it come from? God, I love it. Like, hugging to me is like, uh, I think there's a long, a very long period where I didn't hug and didn't have physical contact, especially with men. And then during this process of digging into men's work and being comfortable around men and starting to open up my heart more and more, and then I just one day, like I went through some deep processes and released a whole lot of stuff and I was making sounds during it. And it was like just feeling the hum, the hum of mine. I'd like used to sit in meditation and I'd like go through and trying to find my voice. It's been a big journey of me trying to find my voice and where that comes from and the sound of it. And so when I hug somebody, especially when I'm really busy and a lot of my time, uh, say, for example, a Tony Robbins event when I'm crewing there and I don't have time to give presents to people for a long period of time. But if, I'm, if you come up and I'm going to give you the opportunity to give you a hug, then I want to be 100% present and I want to share all of who I am in that moment. And so for me, the hum is sharing all of who I am. It's me reminding myself to be completely present with the person that's in front of me. And so holding in a nice, firm embrace, not a big squeezing, trying to squash your bear hug, but just the firm embrace. And when I take a deep breath, it's like breathing in the mana or the energy of the other person. And then just sharing the deepest part of me with you. And so my hum is like all of me encapsulated into one sound. And so, yeah, it's just me sharing me. It's beautiful, man. And as someone, you know, I, I grew up with a, a mother that was very loving and affectionate. And then from going to live with my dad at the age of 13, who, you know, the odd hug here and there and, and definitely loved me. But I then, you know, I wasn't much of a hugger. Um, I, I've started doing that more so since you gave me that hug. So I, I thank you for passing that on to me and making me feel a little bit more comfortable doing it. The other part of it was the heart to heart. Do you want to go into detail about that? Yeah. So the heart to heart hug, uh, heart hug is if you look at people around the world and the, when people naturally hug each other, almost 100%, actually 100% of the time, if it's not a conscious decision, then they'll go the heart to the opposite side. So it's basically lungs to lungs so that you're protecting your heart. 
because of course we know that uh, scientifically that our heart has a frequency and that our bodies put out frequencies around us. So to put your heart against somebody else's heart is to put those frequencies close to each other and it's basically saying to your body that you're open to that person. And so we have such fear around opening our hearts to the people around us. So going heart to heart is an uncomfortable and a weird thing to do. <laughs> sure it is. feels so awkward, but it just opens up and says, hey, look, I'm here and I'm willing to be fully vulnerable in this moment with you in front of me, you know? I love it. I absolutely love it. And I, you know, it, it's one of those things that you need to retrain your brain because naturally you just go to go the other way. And then most of the time now, if I don't go heart to heart, halfway through, I'm like, oh, doing it the wrong way. <laughs> so it's 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 great that it's starting to to you know be more present in my in my mind on my mind there. Um I'm gonna a little bit of a detour and we'll come back to some of these weird things that you do that I absolutely love. <laughs> but now I want to go back to Spain, Burger King. Yes. Right. And I want to go back to, I believe something was flung in your direction that may have been or may not have been sweet and sour sauce. Yeah. <laughs> can we go there? Tell us, tell us this story if you, if you can. Yeah, cool. So, um, when I, to give some context around it, I was in Spain. I'd walked on the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage trail, which is a 930 kilometer hike. Uh, and that was the most transformative experience of my life doing that walk and recommend it to anybody that wants to go and really ingrain all this stuff in a way that's beyond the mind. But after that, I had no money and I was hitchhiking around Spain. I ran out of money three times. I didn't have a visa for the country, so I couldn't get any work. And I was going to sell my house that I had so that I could fund my travels for the next, you know, four years or whatever. I'd had the house for nine years and I was like, yeah, that'll be great. Went to sellers just after the GFC. Uh, sorry, I bought it just before the GFC. And so I lost 100, 130K essentially in the whole process. And when I found that out, I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? Like, I don't have any money. My whole plans for everything was to do that. I don't. I can't even get home. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. And so I ended up just hitchhiking around Spain, thumb out. And Spain's not a good place to hitchhike. I was out in the sun for like eight hours one time in 40 degree heat. And then I used to go into the Burger King to charge my phone. And I would sit there with my phone, just checking like a post photos once a month or something like that. And I was sitting there waiting for people to not finish their food and not throw it in the bin. And then I would go and pick up the food off their plates and off the things and eat the scraps of the food that was around. And one day I was sitting in the Burger King and I was sitting there, I had my phone, I was feeling like shit. And there was this uh, family of African, French African uh, woman that were on, on the table next to me and three ladies and they had uh, three kids with them. And then, yeah, sitting there, 
in my own little bubble, in my own little world. And then out of nowhere, yeah, the sweet and sour sauce goes splat straight on my bag. And the lady, the boy's father was like, I spoke boy's mum. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, have you seen my backpack? I was like, don't even worry about it. It's hilarious. And so I just started chatting with her and uh, we had a good conversation. And then um, as they were finishing their food, they hadn't, they hadn't finished it. And they were sitting there. I could see them cleaning it up, getting ready to take it to the bin. And this was a moment that was really defining for me because I had to swallow all of, because before I could just sit there and wait for people to leave it and not, I didn't have to ask anyone anything. I could just go grab it. And I built up the courage because I had heaps of food left. I didn't want it to go to waste and I wanted to eat. And so I was like, can I ask you a really strange request? She goes, yeah, what's that? I said, you know, would you, the food that you have left there, like once you're finished, only once you're finished, of course, but could you leave that for me so that I can eat it after you leave? And, um, and she sort of had this shocked look at first. And then she was like, yeah, 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 no, sweet as. And she was like, do you want a drink as well? And I was like, oh, yeah, of course, like, because you can free refills. And she was like, I'll go do the refill first. Oh, I'll get it. She goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'll, I'll go get the, the drink for you. So she went off downstairs and I sat there talking to her sisters and we we're having a chat. And, um, and then about 10 minutes later, she walks back up. She has this tray of food and um had yeah like a, a whopper on it and like chips and two drinks and she came and brought it up and put it down in front of me and i was just overwhelmed with um just just with the sense that like i just had the sudden recognition that somebody actually cared that didn't know me you know somebody that um didn't know me from a bar of soap and they just from the kindness of their heart went and and got me this burger and this meal and just yeah it just fucking blew me away um it was a huge moment for me to open my heart like it really opened my heart for the first time in a long time um that maybe i was a little more worthy than i thought uh having nothing in that moment so yeah that's sort of man it must like it must have been oh, it must have been so hard to to ask that question because <laughs> you know it must have been <laughs> it was so hard like everything in my how many body. times did you talk yourself out of how many times did you talk yourself out of saying it <laughs> <laughs> like so I, the whole time i was talking to her i just was like yeah and i just had to take the leap it was like in that moment it was in that moment of decision and I just sat there and it was like, I could just not ask, you know, I could just not ask, just, you know, and be here and then wait for some other food. And I was like, no, this is a moment that you could overcome that and, and just work through it, <clears throat> you know? Um, yeah. And just, just, yeah, broke through. It was, yeah, it was pretty hard to ask the question, but <laughs> such a beautiful. And like, I mean, we, we kind of, in in the build up to that story, you've you've explained some some a situation that would have been extremely stressful, 
it must have been extremely stressful. But I mean, you've kind of alluded there that you know that you opened yourself up at that point. What was what was keeping you trapped? What was driving your pain? And what was some hard or, or really challenging and even a rock bottom moment that you have experienced? Was that one of them? Uh, yeah, that was that was one of them. Um, there's been a lot of them over time. Um, yeah, what's I mean, the, what the, what was driving the pain in that was the sense of unworthiness, the sense that I couldn't even look after myself. You know, um, that I was I had to rely on other people. You know, and yeah, just broken up with my with my girlfriend before I left on this travel as well. And I had money there and then I'd like spent all that money and I was just like, what the hell? Like, how did I spend that so quickly? And then, yeah, um, the house just the, the big part around the house was that I would put nine years of I, like that was what kept me in a job. That was why I was always working. I never was without a job, you know, because I had to pay my mortgage and that kept me driving, kept me going kept me motivated because I knew that I was an investor. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm an investor. I got a house and like, I'm proud of that. And so awesome and all these things. And then when I found out that my so-called compulsory savings was in the negative and I was going to lose money on it and had to find money to sell the house rather than making it any, I didn't even, wouldn't have even broken even on it selling it. It was like, it just, was another moment that just stripped away more of what I thought was my worth, you know? Um, yeah. So it was a pretty rock bottom moment. I still remember the moment that my dad, um, I called my dad when I was sitting in a, in the middle of a town center in Buriana, which is in Spain, obviously I was sitting there with a sandwich and I was talking to dad and he told me that, the evaluation had come back at 30 grand less. And I was just like, fuck, fuck mother. And I just put the phone down and I got up and I was just screamed and yelled like a little two year old and just lost my shit and then sat back down and then had my head in my hands. And I was just like, what the fuck am I going to do? Um, so yeah, that was a pretty rock bottom moment, but, but definitely helped me make the shift, you know? Mm, so how did obviously you were you were almost forced into this shift because well not forced but it's I, I'd imagine that's kind of a moment where if you don't you're going down even darker paths. So how did you let that go? How did you shift? Um, I, I I was so thankful for the Camino because it had taught me so much about how being a pilgrim with nothing but a backpack on your back. And that was where I first really I started to rediscover my worth uh, on that journey, walking that journey with those amazing humans that I met along the way. And so when the house situation happened, um, you know, the, my mom nor my dad had any money to loan me to come home. So there was, it wasn't there. Of course, I could have found a way to get home. Um, like when I, I remember back to making the decision 
to be homeless. Um, because if I was to fly straight home, well, what the fuck was I going back to? You know, I was going back to then not even being sure if I was going to like find a job or anything else. Uh, I'd been living in Australia and Melbourne before that. So, you know, it wasn't like I was going back anywhere. I had a job and I was like, well, I might as well stay for the rest of the tourism tourist visa that I had, which was another month and a half, I think in Spain or two months in Spain. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to, figure this out i'm going to go into this homelessness uh without money and i'm going to force myself to figure it out so going into the burger like that was where i think making that decision to ask for that food in the burger king i think that's where that decision came from because i essentially chose to be there i mean it was kind of chosen kind of not but i knew that i could have found another way home if i'd really 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 wanted to get back at that time um but i just yeah i wanted to go into that at the time uh it was also at a time when my i wasn't speaking too much with my mum or my dad at that time either uh, me and my sister really didn't have a close relationship at that time as well and so i kind of felt like i was alone during that period and so i wanted to go deeper into that and yeah dive into that the homelessness so yeah, it was a pretty low moment and then making the decision to carry on down that path and just to see what I could learn from that because through my depression, through my attempted suicide when I was younger and all these things, I just never had the tools. I didn't have the tools to work through these things. And so I was like, I don't just push myself into harder situations until I'm forced to learn something. I have to learn something from it, you know? So, mm. Yeah man there's some powerful stuff in there and i you know one thing i love about you is is how open you're just an open book and, and how honest you are i absolutely love it and i imagine that part of that is what has helped you throughout this journey as well um not just like because i wasn't really that open before i because i used to have i used to be a chameleon that didn't choose my colors you know whoever i was around at one stage i was a gangster and i was talking like a maori and grew up in that space and then another and then in the next day i'd be around business people talking like a businessman you know like i i didn't have garth and so i had all these masks and i used to hide behind what i thought people wanted to see you know i tried to be the version of garth that was best for this person in front of me and so I was such a closed book. No one knew who I was because I was trying to be whoever I needed to be for that person. And so a big part of my journey has been learning to be just Garth, you know, um, and just being Garth is just good enough for me. Beautiful. Now I want to, I want to go into a lot of around or a lot of the work that you do and a lot of the work is with men and one of the questions well it's kind of two questions but questions i wanted to ask is what does it take to be a man and how do you know when you become one <laughs> this is the question that i've asked so many men now this is the question that i started asking uh on this journey because 
when I started doing like really diving into this personal development uh, after I got back from Europe and I went deep into anxiety and then I began this journey of discovering myself and then I was like I'm, I'm not even a man what is a man you know what's a real man and then when do you become one how do you know that you're one you know when does that shift happen I started asking men and I couldn't get a straight answer you know, I've had a straight answer from maybe five, maybe a handful, and so of when they became a man. But what what is a real man? The the deepest part of the work that I do with men and with boys is discovering who are you, like who's that deep, authentic version of you. I mean, here's some biological differences between men and women, so we operate and see the world a bit differently because of these things. So yeah, there's differences between us biologically for that, but that doesn't make us a man. You know, it doesn't make me a man. And to me, I believe that what a real man is to myself is just constantly discovering that every day. Who is a real man to me today? What does that mean today? Because I have the processes of discovering myself on a constant basis because everything shifts and changes all the time. So the definition of a real man, so to speak, is a fluid answer. It's not saying, hey, this is the hard and fast rule of what a real man is. But here's what I believe I can be capable of and what I can create in my life. And this is what I'm constantly discovering about myself and the process that I'm on. So I would say really fundamentally, the the real man part is the man who's willing to look deep, the man who's willing to go into who they are, into those scary places. You know, we can, because we, we can assign for both men and women, we can assign almost the exact same values, the exact same things in different contexts as to what a strong, like a strong man or woman as strong as all heck, because I don't know a man who'd want to go through childbirth. Um, but what is the strength? You know, I used to be a tough guy. It used to be like, hey, look, I'm trying to be tough. I'm going to smack somebody in the face and then I'm going to be a real tough guy. And then now, and then it was like, hey, let's go into your emotional space. And I was like, nah, 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 that's for pussies, you know? And it's like, well, actually, that's the scariest place to go. That's way harder. You've got to be more courageous and more strong to go into those places and to transmute what you believe to be weaknesses into strengths. So, absolutely I don't know if that answers absolutely the man question concisely or not um but yeah feel free to ask anything around it oh look i think it's um you know when i when i saw you asking the question i i started to question it myself and you know i i didn't know what the definition was and i think this is like a lot of definitions in our life it's just what is the you know, what do most people think as that's the answer? And, you know, that's when I started to think, oh, you know, you become a man when you, you know, when you're 18 or you, you know, you're the man of the house or whatever it may be. Like it's, it's stuff that we just, that society labels for us. And then that's just kind of what we believe. And um, yeah, that's, that's where I think I started to, to, to look at, well, what, what are, yeah, what are the strengths and what are the things that I can, I can do and, you know, to be the man or to be a man? 
Mm. I, I think too, like one thing that I love about the work that I do, uh, especially with, with younger people as well, is that it's just giving another option for them to take pieces of, hey, I really like what that guy does. I really like that, how that guy thinks about that and does that. But it's not just stuck to, like in modern society, we don't have community so much anymore. So you learn from your dad and maybe your uncle, if you're lucky, and your granddad. So you've got three people rather than a tribe where you've got you know, 10, 20, 30 guys that you take pieces from. And then you've got different options of what you choose, you know? Um, and the, when you become a man question, you know, that's something that I've really seen in the research that I've done around rites of passage. In the past, it was a very obvious transition. You know, a boy is cared for by the tribe, a man cares for the tribe. And so the transition happens when you're old enough to now become one of the providers for the tribe. You can go out and you can kill an animal and you can do the basic tasks that need to be done to keep the tribes, to provide for the tribe and to keep the tribe safe. Pretty simple. You know, yeah, there's obviously some complexities to that, but in the past, it was a pretty simple thing. You had other men around you that were on the same thing, so you had a common outcome and goal. Everyone had the same outcome, which was keep the tribe safe, secure, protected, and fed. Whereas now, You've got when you like when when do you make that transition? When do you become that provider? What does that even mean? You know, and I believe what we're lacking in modern day is having that rite of passage where you get taken out of your normal environment, taken away from the place where you're still in the need for your mum to to be the the mother for you. You know, it's looking taking that transition. And becoming a man who's looking for a partner rather than a boy who's looking for a mother. Because if that's the dynamic that stays, then all the partners that are found will be um, the uh, recreating the mother. Yeah, recreating Mm -hmm. that mother that holds them, nurtures them, and coos after them. And they're looking for their they're looking for their mum to go, "Good boy, you are such a good boy," you know. And so if we're looking for that in our partners, then we miss out on that. So that transition, I believe now in modern day, I mean, for me, I always long to have a very, oh, uh, sorry, the Zoom link came up, said no more thing. Anyway, um, so having that transition now, I always longed for a man that I respected to say to me, Garth, now you're a man and you're a man because this is what I see in you because you have these qualities in you now that make you a man. Like my dad always said, my mom and dad always said to me, we'll be proud of you no matter what. And to be honest, that's one of the worst things that you can actually say because you're proud of what? They were proud of me when I was getting locked up. They were proud of me when I was doing great as a captain. They were proud of me when I was broke. They were proud of me when I had money. So what the fuck were they proud of? You know? But if they say, if it's that specific thing of Garth, I'm really proud of you because you always really connect with people. You care about them. You know, I love that about you. Proud of the fact that you're always looking for the, the, the direction of your life that you want to create, you know, and you don't get hold, held back by 
the confines of this is the way you should live your life with a career. You know, Garth, I'm really proud of you because you really support the people in your community. You know, if they were specific about it, then I would have had a thing to know, like people reflecting back to me who I am in a way that I can then decide and take on board if I wish or to go, oh, that doesn't fit with me so much. But it gives the opportunity to know who I am and therefore know when I've made that transition, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It does, mate. That's a really, really good points to, to take away there, I think. Now, I want to talk about being uncomfortable, which I know you love doing. <laughs> it's something, would you say that you do something uncomfortable every day? Something that makes you uncomfortable? I, I would say it's, it's not every single day, <laughs> but, but it's the, probably a 90%, 95% thing. Yeah. So if that's the case, why? Why? Um, I'll, I'll share a little story. So one day I went, I went out hiking. And I was going off into the bush and it was the first time that I'd done it where I went out on a 17 and a half K hike. Uh, it was 17 and a half K is one way, 17 and a half K is back the other way. And it was in like really steep topography here in NZ. And I went out with nothing but water, my hammock, my sleeping bag. And that was it. And <laughs> I told my sister that I was going out and she's like, what? You're going to die. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll be good. She's like, how do you know? I was like, well, you know, I've done fasting and stuff, so it, it'll be right. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be, it's going to be all right. And then I got back and she's like, Garth, why do you put yourself in so much pain? Like you, you're always putting yourself in pain on purpose. And I said, yeah, but when I choose it, then I get, I know that I'm going to get lessons from it. And then I, I know that I'm choosing to push through the pain because I know that I'm going to be in pain. Because in the past, when I didn't choose the pain in my life, I had pain, but I didn't push through it as much because it was just life. Life was pain. Life was misery. And it was like, man, life sucks. But by choosing the pain, by choosing to be uncomfortable, I'm like, I know this is going to be painful. I don't know what's going to come up but I know that I'm going to push through to the other side and I'm going to gain something from it. Like last week, while I was in self-isolation, I was like, I want to go in full self-isolation. No one's going to be at the caves. So I went into Abbey Caves, which is not far from him. And I went and sat in there for 15 hours straight in the dark, pitch black on the rocks and the uncomfortable was freezing. It was like horrible. <laughs> but I knew that because my mind was racing, my mind was going crazy and I sat with it and sat with it until it would force me to surrender, until it forced me to let go. I think that's one of the biggest parts to choosing the challenge is that it forces me to let go of the control, to let go of how I think it should be and surrender to whatever is there. And every time it's like bliss or insights or something comes from that release and that letting go 
because I get caught up in here way too much. I'm a thinker. I'm an intellect. I think about all sorts of things. And that used to be one of my biggest problems. I couldn't stop thinking. And so when I put myself in intense situations, it forces me to let go because I can't figure it out through here. And then it's like, oh, right. I'm not this. I'm not even this. I'm just, I am. And yeah, it's mm. something beyond words, but that's why. Yeah, you. it's a very good explanation because I was actually going to ask you what the most uncomfortable thing you've ever done, but also for someone that's constantly striving to to challenge yourself and put yourself in that situation, how do you continue to come up with uncomfortable situations? Don't you just get used to them? <laughs> well, Aren't they just the normal? <laughs> no, nah, not really. Like um, now, now my habit, right? My habit is the process. So it's easier for me to make the decision and push myself through and do it. Because it still comes up with his resistance every time where it's like, no, Garth, it's not a good idea to go and sit in a cave. And I'm like, that means we have to do it because <laughs> it's uncomfortable. Um, so most uncomfortable thing I've ever done, God, that's that's a big ask. There's a lot of things. Um, oh, yeah, I feel like you could probably write a 10-part Netflix documentary detailing each one. <laughs> Hugely. Like I used to work on the commercial fishing boats going out in storms. Um, you know, we used to work 109 hour weeks on average and then, um, yeah, work 36 hours straight. Um, you know, I used to do house removals, picking the whole house up and moving it. And we used to work ridiculous hours there. Um, but to be honest, with all that stuff, that was all physical pushing through. And I broke through to like every time seeing new levels of what the body is capable of, what the mind is capable of when you're put under and you have to break through and have to break through. And so, and how that physical relates to the mental started to make sense during those as well. But to be honest, the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done uh, would have to be sitting down and talking straight up about my feelings and expressing and allowing somebody to see me um, when I'm not doing great because I always had a mask on. I always had, I could always be joyous, guard, happy, guard, you know, uh, in a moment. And whenever I'd feel tears coming up, I would just laugh and then I would be fine. And so the most uncomfortable thing ever was sitting in front of my friends this year and expressing to them the bullshit stories that I'd been telling myself and about how I'd been pushing them away to try and reinforce the things from my childhood uh, and how, and telling them, you know, the way that I'd been acting towards them and owning the fact that I had been pushing them away and pushing them out of my life. And then to have them turn around and look me in the eyes and tell me that they love me for all of who I was and that all that stuff that I talked about, they said they could see it, but they love me completely for who I am. And then allowing my heart to open and receive that. Fuck. That was the hardest thing I've ever done. That was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done. 
Do you, I mean, it, it is extremely, and I can, you know, I can certainly relate to that within my own journey. And, you know, I, I still don't know what the answers are about when you get to that point where you re- really are struggling, what the method or the strategy is to do it. Do you have any tips or, or methods that can help people through that uncomfortableness to 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 get comfortable to do whatever they need to do whether it is to be able to sit down and open up to someone whether it's to go sit in a cave for 15 hours or whether it's to go jump in an ice bath at zero degrees is there any methods or tips that you have to be able to get people to take those steps yeah i think the the biggest part with that is when on any whether it's physical mental emotional whatever space that it is is that when you feel that resistance come up that means that's where you need to go that's where you have to go the resistance is telling you that this is the opportunity and yeah for me that's what it's been is whenever i feel resistance somewhere i'm like fuck that's where i gotta go you know and um and it's not comfortable it's not like oh yeah, this is going to be fun. You know, it's like, this is going to be so uncomfortable, but okay. I feel the resistance inside me. I feel my body tense up, reaching out for help. Oh my God. That's like, even still today, I still get resistance around that, you know? And when I'm, when I'm not doing well and I'm like struggling and inside me, I'm like, just go into my cat, like internally and close off. Um, yeah, those times are great. And yes, I've got a lot from them and learning to connect with myself, beautiful. But sometimes it's knowing and having those safe people that you can reach out to is the most important thing. You know, people that aren't going to try and fix your problem. That's, I think, finding one person that you can call and say, I really just need to express some things that are on my heart right now. I really don't want any response or feedback, but I would just love it if you would sit in presence and just let me express it. And like recently I had a friend of mine, he called me and he asked me for exactly that. He called me and said, Garth is like, bro, I just really need to express myself for 15 minutes. Have you got some time? And I was like, 100% bro, I'm here fully present. I'm not going to say a word, go. And he just expressed all the things that are on his mind about job, work, direction, child, all these things going on for him at the moment. And he just let it all out. And I sat there and just just received what it, all that he was saying. And then after he finished speaking, I said, would you like me to ask you any questions? Would you like to leave it at that? And he said, I'd love, yeah, I'd love, love a couple of questions around this. And so... I asked him just a few questions just to help him define it for himself because I know that he's strong. I know he's powerful. I know that he's got, he can figure it out on his own. You know, he doesn't actually need me. It's that to be able to express it openly, be seen, be just, just heard and to be witnessed in that weakness or in that moment of needing to express the vulnerability without response to me that's the deepest work i've ever done you know in the men's work that we do 
there's no response. You know, it's when the rules to the circle is no responding, no laughing at people's jokes, no nothing. If somebody's expressing themselves, let them fully express and just be witness. Just bear complete witness to them. Let them have their moment. If they cry, let them have that crying. Just sit there with love pouring out of you. And if they ask for feedback, then give them feedback. If they don't ask for it, don't give it. So, yeah, I think, like, for me, I know that it's been a really important key factor is having a person or people that I can just call and just be witnessed in saying it without response, without anything. And I know that they'll ask me if I want feedback rather than basically when somebody tries to fix your problem, they're saying you're an idiot and you can't fix it yourselves. And so it's just being able to hold that witness in that space. So I hope that that helps. No, it definitely does, man. And I think that'll help so many people. I think what you're, what you're essentially saying as well, by, by giving them that is you're enabling them to take the power back themselves as, as opposed to, you know, let me fix you. You're, you're just being there, present, listening, supporting, loving, and giving them the power, which I love. And the other part to it too, like think of this, right? As somebody, uh, this really helps me to reach out. When my friend called me and asked for that, and I was just like, I felt so amazing that I was that trusted as a friend that somebody would reach out and trust me enough to hold that space for them and like after the call i was like oh thank you so much for calling me and giving me this gift of allowing me to do this for you like it makes me feel so valued as a friend that you i'm i'm one of your trusted confidants wow you know and so knowing that you're giving someone the gift of that great feeling when you reach out to them and then being able to express the boundaries around it, that's, that's magic. Yeah, beautiful, man. Um, so what's, what is motivating you to continue to, to show up and, and to do the work that you do and so, um, so helpful to, to other people? What's motivating and driving you to do that? Um, I, to be honest, it's changed from a motivation so because motive to me is a is a push you know it's pushing you along and as soon as the motive stops or the drive stops then you stop you know and so for me it's been going deep into discovering who i am and how i want to experience this world and how i want to show up and the kind of person i want to be like and that for me is so my blueprint for success is as long as i'm a kind caring compassionate understanding human being, someone who's focused on adding value to my life and that of those around me, someone who is constantly learning, growing and developing in every area of my life, deeply discovering myself every single day that I'm successful. And so this has naturally led me on this journey where I've found how I want to live my life. And the work that I do, like the, re the men's retreat, that we did recently, um, I said to the guys, I was like, I don't do this because I want to make money. 
I do this because this is how I want to live my life. Like being in around you amazing humans that are willing to do the work, that are willing to have the hard conversation. And for me being able to give some insight and guide you to, to discovering that for yourself, potentially asking some better questions for you and taking you through processes that get you to, that you get to have these same realizations that just excites the crap out of me. So it, essentially it's completely, completely selfish, right? You know, I'm fulfilling my need of, of feeling amazing. I get to live the life that I want to live. And through my selfish act of creating the life that I want to live, I get to serve other people because that fills me up. That makes me feel amazing. And so there's always a reason for me to show up because I get something from it every time. Like someone the other day said, I get tired of serving. And I said, and so I got to stop and fill my cup up, you know, because I got to fill my own cup up so I can serve. And I'm like, man, the serving fills my cup up because to be an absolute service, that means I need to be full anyway. So if I'm not full, and I'm not doing those things like the breath work, the meditations, the ice bars and everything else myself, then I'm not in a place of service. So me serving me is serving you because that serves me. Mm. And, yeah. and I would say to you, please continue to be as selfish as fucking possible <laughs> because your energy and the way that you help other people is just incredible. So continue to be selfish, please. Um, now you mentioned you mentioned some of your, I guess, own personal methods throughout this, and just then about how you fill your own cup up. What are some? Well, not so much, not so much going into your routine, but how can someone that may be a little bit lost, may be struggling? Everyone's journey is different, I know. But is there any is there any tips or advice that you would give someone to be able to start? their journey will not start their journey let me rephrase this question I mean, and i'll go back what advice would you give to someone that is struggling or wants to start their own self-discovery i need to go back again do you know the question i'm trying to ask yeah so so if I you think, do I, I, what I, is it and yeah, i'll rephrase it yeah i think i think there's possibly two two parts to the because it's not starting their self-discovery because no, you're but, already fucking on it yeah because they're on this call so what about um with all the things that i do mm. how like how do you how do you discover and get those things happening because it can be difficult to try and do everything at once. So how would you begin on mm. adding those things in, something like that? Mm. So what I would like to ask is how do you begin the journey of self-discovery? Mm. The number one thing, so the process that I take people through, like all of my, everything that I do, it goes from, First key thing is awareness, understanding, acceptance, transformation. The number one thing is to become aware. So then you got to ask the question, how do I become aware? What is awareness? Well, it's becoming 
aware of the thoughts. If you see that you are the thinker of the thoughts and not the thoughts themselves, then you're, you can become aware. The more aware you can consistently be, the more you can understand what you're aware of. And the more you understand what you're aware of, the more you can accept it and the more you can transform it. So say awareness. And of course, you know, there's so many different processes, so many different things you can do. People are trying all these different things and none of them are working because I've tried meditation, I've tried breath work, I've tried this stuff and it doesn't work. How many times did you try it? Well, I did it like, you know, I was trying it for like maybe, you know, I was doing meditation for maybe three times a week for five minutes. And then I kind of didn't do it for a while. And then I kind of went back. So my advice is pick one thing and do it every day. Do it every day. And then after a month, once that's a new habit, then find something else. Then find something else. That's 12 new habits in a year. You know, my whole life, my, my transformation has happened by ingraining new habits and, way, and habits can be ways of thinking. Habits can be processes that you take yourself through every day. But for me, I always have three new habits on the go at any one time because they're all in different, pro, in different stages, right? And that means that sort of every 10 days, you're looking at a new habit. And then that first week is really consciously thinking about it. And then the second week, you've kind of, you still got to pay attention, but not as deeply. And then you have the three different stages that are going on at any time. By the end of the year, you know, you've done three habits a month for 12 months. I mean, that's what does life look like after you've got that many habits that are now ingrained in your system and you become a whole different human in one year, you know? And yeah, it can be anything from, you know, meditation. Yeah, that's, a, that's, ob that's an obvious one. But what about the way you stand, how you hold your posture? You know, something like that. Maybe for me with diet, nutrition, it's the same thing. When I take people through nutrition stuff, it's like, you want to change one thing this week. What are you going to do? All right, you're going to have a bowl of kale with olive oil on it once a day. And you're going to do that for this week. For this 10 days and then you're going to change something else and literally within two months you've basically changed your entire nutrition and diet from changing one thing at a time mm. Mm. small steps small and, step. and getting the consistency absolutely mates um it's been a it's been a pleasure we could probably go for another 24 hours i reckon but um <laughs> i want to thank we can and we probably will another time i'm pretty sure of that but um i want to i really want to thank you and i would also like to to really i guess um not boost your own confidence and give you a big head but once again um to to really point out that i think you are an incredible person you are an amazing man um, truly caring, loving, supportive. And that's from, you know, I don't, I don't know you that well at all by any stretch of the imagination, but um, you're very genuine and, and I, I love that about you. So thank you for being who you are. Continue to be an amazing person. And thanks so much for, for being on this show. Mm. How can people connect with you? And is there one last piece of advice that you would like to leave the listeners? Mm, thank you, brother. Deeply received. Um, 
So where you can find me is Voyage Men Garth Bruin, and there's the Facebook page, or Garth Bruin on Instagram. Uh, we run some online group programs for free for people that want to come along and get a taste of this stuff. So at the time of this recording, we're starting one next week where we're going to do an online um, breathwork self-discovery program for seven days, a challenge. So that'll be really cool. Uh, other than that, you can find us soon. We just have our not-for-profit website, Life School, which should be up by the time this airs, I guess. Um, Is that Life? Life School? Life School. And if you say Ooh. it differently, it says Life's Cool. Hey. hey perspective um so yeah perspective so that's going to be a lot of online programs workshops we're going to do retreats and that sort of thing so that's all stuff you can find more about out there um piece of advice i mean i i'm not a fan of advice in general to be honest because advice is saying i know better than another um and for me, it's about that empowerment and that you already have all you need inside. Just ask a better question, you know. Once you have the right question, it unlocks the answers. And I've seen this again and again and again in my life and those around me. So, yeah, I think that's the, the biggest one. And Thank last thing I'd love to say too is a deep acknowledgement of the man that you are. And since meeting you from that first moment and being so openly received uh, as I am was just magic. And I see the way that you hold presence with people, how interested and intrigued you are. And there's a deep joy and energy that's in you. It's not the high, it's not like excitable high craziness, but it's a very deep seeing presence. And I just absolutely love that in the work that you do, brother. Magic. Thank you very much, man. There's there's plenty of love flowing between our computer screens, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much, man. Appreciate much love. You, wow, massive thanks to Garth for joining us on the show and being so open and so real. I know I took a lot from it, and I absolutely love Garth's energy. I hope you guys felt that as well. I took a like a lot of things away from that, but I guess the key takeaways that I took personally from that interview was how important it is to get ourselves out of our comfort zone. It is so important and it's so crucial to be able to do that a lot of the time, even if it's not every day. But um, you know, that's one massive takeaway that I took from that. And another one was how important it is to be able to communicate with the loved ones or just people within our lives who are struggling or who need you know, someone to be able to talk to. We need to be able to hold the space for them, give them the time to talk, to feel. I just feel it's such powerful stuff. Thank you very much, Garth. And look, guys, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want to keep up to date with the show, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, but also to make sure that you get the new episodes that are dropping twice a week direct to your favorite podcast app, make sure that you do subscribe. And hey, if you love what you hear, please rate and review the show. We would be so grateful. See you on the next episode. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and take the power back.